0: Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. I'm still Andy Davis, and this is episode 10 of season 3. Really interesting couple of features this week, and we start with a chat with an appliance brand that is really mounting a serious challenge against the main players in the built in market, and that's Samsung. I'll be talking to channel manager Jonathan Hartley. Then we go straight to the shop floor and talk about recruitment. With so many retailers dealing with very high demand, they're desperate to recruit new, skilled, experienced people who can hit the ground running. But those people are proving harder to find than a Harry Kane goal. Quick caveat, I'm recording this on Monday afternoon, and this episode will go live Tuesday morning. I'm hoping that by the time I get to Wednesday, that last Kane comment will appear ironic. (laughs) I'll be talking recruitment with a couple of excellent retailers currently searching for staff. Elizabeth Pantling-Jones from NEMA Kitchens in Milton Keynes, and friend of the pod, Luke Wedgbury from Colville Kitchens. But first... Now Liverpool is famous for many things. It's the football, it's the Beatles, it's the incomprehensible accent, alright? It's the maritime history, and unfortunately, the abomination that was the sitcom bread. But... Sorry, Ringo. All that is getting pushed aside as that great city is now the host of the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. It's happening on September the 15th at the iconic masterpiece that is the Liverpool Cathedral. It's the KBB industry's biggest post-lockdown party and you don't want to miss it. Come on your own, bring a partner, buy complete tables to entertain key clients. However you do it, make sure you're there. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to book using a credit card or if you book before July the 19th, you can pay by invoice. I'll see you there. Right, let's talk Samsung now. It's simply, of course, one of the biggest consumer brands in the world, thanks to its uh, consumer electronics and its phones, of course. But it's now fast becoming a major player in the kitchen appliance market. It has a new partnership with Waterline to support independent kitchen retailers. So let's talk it all through with channel manager, Jonathan Hartley. Hello, Jonathan.
1: Hi, good morning. How are you, Andy?
0: I'm very well, thank you very much. Now, there's one thing I need to talk to you about before we get started here, Jonathan, and that's your job title. My job title. <laughs> the footer on your email is, I think, the longest job title I've ever seen in my life.
1: Oh, well, that's how we have them. So,
0: give, give us the give us the full rundown. Give us the full line.
1: Okay, so so my role is channel manager for the UK for kitchen retail and B two B. So uh, I in short basically head up all of the uk kitchen retail to independent kitchen showrooms and the national retailers for the kitchen home appliance built-in business for samsung
0: but on your job title here you're also the senior professional head of parts, ce oh, da kitchen
1: specialist <laughs> that's just to do with all the team so uh, that 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 just that that just sits us somewhere within the organization so uh, yeah generic titles within the business andy
0: The point is, you're a very busy man. That's what I'm getting to here. You're a very busy man. Of course, as I said, everyone knows Samsung, and almost certainly everyone has at least one product in their home with Samsung on it somewhere. But it's actually a relative newcomer to kitchen appliances in the UK at the kind of level you're operating at now, I think. So could you just give us an overview of the current status of it in the UK in terms of independent kitchen retail?
1: So in terms of kitchen retail, and and I think it's better to start with the the holistic piece, really. As a business, Samsung has 15 million customers currently in the UK. But since 2018, we've been the single largest freestanding home appliance brand in the UK. And much of that has been led by our side-by-side American refrigeration and also our laundry. And one thing that we've learned from that growth is A, how we did it, B, the customers that we needed to do it with. And what we've taken now is an approach where we're actually rolling that out into our home appliances. So the built-in appliances, the cooking side of things. We're learning from obviously what we've done in the past to get to that market share within the freestanding sector and utilizing that growth that we took on board by putting it now into the independent kitchen retailer through home appliances.
0: Right, and so give us an idea of how many customers you have in terms of kitchen showrooms.
1: So in terms of kitchen showrooms, that's growing at the moment year on year. We started back with Waterline uh, way back in 2018, and we set ourselves a target to look at key demographic areas across the UK. We now have a very, very strong estate across the UK of independent kitchen showrooms. And obviously, we're also working with a lot of the strong national retailers as well. We're building on that growth year on year. And obviously, uh, we take 2020 out of it because of COVID. But what we can tell you is that uh, basically, if we look at our pre-COVID numbers versus where we are now, we're going to see a three times growth on that revenue stream that we're currently doing within the UK. And that's all coming from the independent kitchen retailer and high street retailer only on the built-in appliance side of our business. So basically to answer your question, as far as the size of our estate, it's growing by the day. It's starting to see the share of the display presence growing by the day. And as, as far as we're concerned, we're starting to get our strategic placement exactly where we need it to be and build on that for the future.
0: I think if it helps, Jonathan, I think everyone's taking 2020 out of pretty much everything at the moment, including their own lives. I'm not even counting the birthday I had in 2020, if that helps.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, look, how is business for you at the moment as it stands? Obviously, we are approaching the end of a roadmap, we hope. There's been a lot of very high demand. How are you reading the market at the moment?
1: So... Again, really just looking at this from where I sit, which is on the built-in appliance side of things, we're reading the market very strong. We've seen a good bounce back. We expected that bounce back. There's certainly been demand seen in the market. But the good thing that Samsung have done and, and, and where we really are strong is our forecasting technique. We don't just forecast for the products that we're actually selling through. We forecast for growth. As a business, we're very, very strong on a daily and weekly basis at looking at the numbers looking at where we need to be and how we're going to get there. So something that we spotted a long time ago was, if we need to grow this business, we need to ensure that we've got stock on the ground. And that's where Waterline play a huge part for us, having that national operation of stock readily available to take from their warehouses. But ultimately, from our factories, which are Samsung factories, we have control over that forecasting as well. So we know where our product is, when it's been made and when it's going to land. So for us as a business, that allows us to grow very, very quickly and also give that exclusive service that that independent kitchen retailer requires.
0: And do you think that current demand then is going to carry on going? Is that what you're planning for?
1: We're, we're always planning for success. Um, we're planning for growth. Um, we're not where we want to be yet, but we are a huge amount further than we actually thought we were going to be. And as I mentioned earlier on, we're going to see three times growth on 2019 figures like for like. And for us, that, that, that is really far ahead of where we expected to be. We've got obviously Hero products, which sit within our portfolio. I'll obviously talk later to you about products that we've launched and we will continue to build on that platform. But we do consider that the market at the moment is still buoyant. If anything, it's the installation side of things that we're seeing. The number of jobs that are actually in that pipeline for retailers, it's getting those retailers actually out there, installing them into the consumer's houses. So for the moment, very buoyant, a good marketplace, and, and uh, certainly, as you mentioned at the start of this, very, very busy.
0: Yeah, it's been very impressive, actually, from my point of view, watching Samsung grow in a relatively short space of time. And obviously, Samsung, the brand, has been around a long time. But when there was a real concerted push to go into that built-in market, as you say, two or three years ago, it could only be a company the size of Samsung that is able to directly take on some of the bigger German brands, shall we say, head-to-head. Are you on track, despite COVID, for the plans that you laid out back in 2018?
1: For us, we are really, really pleased in our position in the market where we are. Uh, We're starting to see the share growth within the independent kitchen retail sector. And as a business, you're right, we focus strongly on what we do well. We have a huge product portfolio. We have some excellent brands led by technology that is second to none. And what we do also see is uh, a sector that we recognize we're new to. So yes, we're well known for our TVs, we're well known for our mobiles and our tablets, But to some extent, we still recognise ourselves as a newcomer to this side of the business for the home appliances. But that doesn't let us rest at all on our laurels. We anticipate to be in that top sector as a home appliance supplier within the next few years. And we are well on track for where we expect to be. What is really comforting to see is the amount of retailers that are actually buying into the product, the goodwill and the confidence that we've seen from going out there to the market, And and as you rightly stated, we, we are a global brand. You know, we sit number six within the world as far as a global brand by the rankings. And that strength of our operation allows us to take good products to market very quickly, but also make sure that the consumer actually engages in that product and has a good experience
0: from them. You've, you've always had this partnership with Waterline, haven't you? That's how you've, you've gone through to the market. But you've got a new sort of updated partnership with them at the moment. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for your retail partners?
1: Going back to the start with Waterline, we recognised that we needed to get a footprint in the UK very quickly. And that footprint we recognised needed to come from the independent kitchen retailer. We also recognised that Waterline was to have to review the right pairing, both from the nature of their business, the size and scale of their business, their warehouse and uh, logistics operation, but also from the people. They have a very strong team of 18 regional sales managers out there who we work hand in glove with at the moment. And we've pretty much needed them as a foundation to get us to the stage where we are today. And as I said, we're far ahead of where we anticipate to be. But what we've actually done by being far ahead of where we need to be is realigned our targets, reset our focus, and pushed ourselves even harder. So yes, with them, it, it, it is something that we set up back in 2018, but we still treat it as a fresh relationship. Every day we challenge ourselves, every day we look at where that growth can come from, and we're working pretty much on a weekly basis with them. And I think you'll have seen that from the way that when COVID did kick in, we very quickly transitioned ourselves from what was, if you like, a bricks and mortar physical approach We went very quickly into a digital approach, provided the webinars, and then started to work with them closely so that we could keep all of those retailers engaged.
0: Again, it takes the brand power of something like Samsung to combine with somebody like Waterline, who has such an avenue into the independent retail market, to to grow that quickly. I've seen a lot of appliance brands come and go as they try to break into that market. But you you need oomph behind you, don't you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we take 100% pride in our ability To offer not only a full portfolio of products to our clients but also to cater for the you know the diverse lifestyles and needs of our clients so our aim really is to make sure that we give them something that can actually design into those kitchens that provide technology efficiency and ultimately help those retailers transform their consumers homes and kitchens making their lives more simple, but also giving them something that's different in a market. You know, you mentioned earlier, there has been a lot of brands within this estate over the years. And we recognize again, whilst we're a newcomer, we're coming with a very, very strong portfolio of products. Not only are we bringing products with technology, we're bringing products from a good, better, best right through to premium, which you'll now see within our infinite range. We obviously launched that at KBB, but we still consider that a new product. Because with having, obviously, the lockdown situation, we brought that to market, but in effect, we've actually started to relaunch that because the product that we are now pushing with Infinite is so premium and so different that you're right, it it gives us as a brand the ability to go in there and actually give the consumer something totally different to look at.
0: Now, this is all about logistics, of course. Demand is very high. And I think... One of the biggest issues retailers have had in meeting that demand throughout the lockdown is the shortage of appliances. We can't pretend that isn't happening. So what's the current status of Samsung in terms of meeting orders?
1: So we forecast for growth all the time. So we're not just forecasting for, you know, what the pipeline is. We're forecasting for where we want that pipeline to be. Whilst we, you know, recognise that our own logistics, um, you know, as with anybody else, still has to come through the port, still has to, you know, come through all of those routes that everybody else does because of the volumes that we're actually forecasting, because of the amount that that we're actually producing, we've brought in enough product, not only to compensate for the uplift that we've seen, but to actually allow us to still have products on the floor um, and obviously putting that product into waterline so that retailers can take that product, x stock when they need it, when they require it, and ensuring that jobs are finished on time, in full.
0: So are you confident then that you know, if, if retailers still got problems getting hold of other brands' products, that they they're not facing them with Samsung.
1: Um, as far as we're concerned, at Samsung, you know, we can only speak for ourselves. Um, what's going on in the rest of the market, obviously, is related to the other manufacturers. But what I can say from Samsung's point of view is that yes, we are here. Yes, we have products. Yes, we are forecasting very, very strongly for the future. And and I'd certainly see it as a consideration if I was a retailer now to be looking at you know time for change offering differentiation within showroom certainly looking at brands now like samsung that are actually bringing the latest technology because let's recognize at the end of the day we are a technology company so we have a full portfolio of products going right across our estate Um, and because of that we're bringing that very much through to the retailer now and the consumer has grown up with the samsung brand We, we know that from experience and therefore the hurdle of actually putting Samsung in front of that consumer, as is, there isn't one there. What it is now about is the change of habit from the retailer, the retailer getting confident and being able to put something in front of that consumer. And that really, we've tried to give them something to support it with five years parts and labor. And that's a really strong message. And the reason we give it is because we're confident in the brand and we're confident in the products that we're putting through to market.
0: I suppose what I'm getting at here is that have you... Has the issues that have been faced by other companies, no matter who they are, benefited you? Have you sort of made haywire the sun shines a little bit because of the, the logistical network that you have?
1: It's a, it's a good question, Andy, and, you know, I think, again, just answering it from a Samsung point of view is that, of course, you know, we've taken business where we can grow it, and we've looked into the avenues of where that growth can come from, Um And ultimately, yeah, we've seen our business grow. But we don't just see that as a spike because this is about retaining relationships. This is about building on those relationships. And it sits far, far outside of just the products and the availability. This sits around the assets that we provide, the marketing, the training. This encompasses everything that we talked about with the kitchen circle, which we set up with the independent kitchen retailers. So from our point of view, yes, we know where the business is there to take share from. And we're actively out there pushing hard to take it and we'll continue to do so.
0: Now, one of the things that you personally have always been a big advocate of is retailers using digital means to drive their footfall. And you must you, you must get a lot of satisfaction from the sudden exponential increase in that that has been forced by the lockdowns as well.
1: 100%. 100%. And I'm really, really pleased that a lot of retailers have started to embrace this. I, I, you know... Bricks and mortar showrooms are never going to go away. You know, that that that's taken for granted. But what is going to go away is the customer journey. Um, customers have always started to research online. They've started to look for products, especially home appliances, before they've gone into kitchen retailers. Um, And whilst ultimately the design of a kitchen and the way that a kitchen designer can be creative with that consumer around the furniture that they work with is still gonna be very much, you know, a face-to-face and a one-to-one interaction. What we are seeing now is that the more you use assets to engage, so rich media, videos, starting to work with all of the engagement of the technical specifications, what these products do, that consumer journey we can make very, very strong. And that's where we've seen a lot of engagement from retailers because those of them that have actually seen what we're offering and, that, and let's remember what we're putting out there is for free. This is all of our asset, all of our content, and it's very, very easy as a pack for us to send out and for that retailer to upload onto the website. And all that's doing really is that is selling for them. That is actually putting something in their website with the brand samsung to allow that to do the journey of engagement and sell to that consumer prior to the communication when they walk into the showroom and start to actually plan that kitchen so what we want to do Andy, is we want to get to a stage where that consumer is in a position that they know 100 percent that they walk in and say i'd like to have a samsung infinite oven i'd like to have a samsung dual cut flex oven and that's that's really the purpose of what we've been working on over the last 12 to 18 months
0: now just to wrap it all up a bit here because i think time will beat us you know you've you've personally been in this game a long time
1: <laughs> long time a long time
0: um w- what do you see happening in the, in the short medium and long term in the market as, as a whole do you think is the demand going to hold up how long is it for what do you think
1: um interesting one i think you know again i come back to you know we forecast for the long term all the time um and everything that we talk about in our meetings it, it isn't about today it's about what happens in the future. Um, for us, you know, we, we have a five-year strategic plan. Uh, as I said earlier, we're well ahead of where we need to be on that. But one of the biggest learnings that I'm seeing um, is that 70% of our sales currently on our freestanding and our laundry are on connected lines. Um, and, and that shows that there is a desire there for connected appliances. Um, We're working very closely on carbon footprint at the moment. We're working very closely as to how our products actually align to what the energy ratings need to be and what the actual consumer is looking for. The consumer is very savvy now and totally understands what they require from an appliance. So as far as we're concerned for the future, We do see growth. We see that growth coming certainly from the built-in sector. That is where we have our key focus. We've done a huge, amazing job on freestanding and also on our laundry products. And as I said, you know, we've been the largest there for a long time. That we will replicate. Um, We've already started to do it, but you will see the built-in marketing, the built-in engagement, and also the structure of how built-in goes to market and delivers that growth for Samsung really, really, turn up the volume in the next few months
0: well and that's a very positive way to end it i think jonathan thank you so much for your time like i say you're you're a, such a fascinating brand to watch uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where you are in two or three four years time uh, so look thanks very much for your time thanks very much for your insight and we'll catch up again soon
1: andy really been a pleasure thanks very much for the time cheers <laughs>
0: Right, let's talk recruitment issues now and try and pick apart just why so many retailers are struggling to fill their vacancies. Joining me now to discuss is a couple of great retailers, starting with Elizabeth Pantling-Jones from Lima Kitchens in Milton Keynes. Hello, Elizabeth.
2: Hi, Andrew. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. And second up is the return of podcast regular Luke Wedgbury from Coville Kitchens in Leicester. Hello, Luke. Hi, guys. How are you doing? You well? Very well, thank you. Now, Elizabeth, let's start with finding out a little more about you and Lima Kitchen. So give us the 60-second outline of your business.
2: So we are a kitchen retailer. We offer British-made products to our clients and support as many local businesses as possible. So where we can't buy British products and have to go out to places like Germany, we are lucky enough to have those in the area as well and support our local community, which is really important to us.
0: And give us an idea of size here, Elizabeth. How many people are working with you? How big is a showroom? That kind of thing.
2: We are a small showroom. We've got eight displays. I know for some of you that will be reasonably big. We've got five members of staff and hope to be growing soon if we can find some staff.
0: Yeah. Now, Luke, I know you've done this before, but for those who haven't heard you on previous episodes, give us the 60-second Colville Kitchens brief
3: yep so we are a a classic kbb independent family-run business Uh, it's owned by myself and my wife we have a team of 12 staff now uh, and we're growing year on year we have been in business now for 10 years we're essentially a retail outlet we're purchasing kitchens from different distributors and we sell them to the public and we are kitchen specific only so we don't do bedrooms or bathrooms our niche is, is kitchens and we specialize in that area so yeah business is good and we we can't grumble but i'm sure i will be happy to grumble about what we're about to talk about this afternoon.
0: <laughs> well, we like to hear a grumble on this podcast, you know that. So look, uh, you're both here because you're looking for new people for your business, as lots of lots of retailers are at the moment. So Elizabeth, tell us who it is you're after. Who are you looking for?
2: So primarily we are looking for an experienced kitchen designer, ideally within the independent market. Um, as everyone will know who's listening, being in the independent market is very different from being in the sheds and the level up expectations very different. Being so busy, having someone who can hit the ground running would be great. Um, On top of that, we're also looking for someone with more of a technical background to help out with surveying and project management as well.
0: So they're all typical independent retail kitchen skills that you're looking for there. What about you, Luke? What are you trying to fill?
3: Very similar to Elizabeth. We're looking for a new design consultant to work with our clients in regards to the design process. We're looking for uh, an experienced installations manager, basically an operations manager to take care of the operations side of the business. And we're also looking for another set of experienced installers. So we have three vacancies that are currently open and uh, they're the three which we are struggling to fill.
0: Well, yes, I guess, uh, Elizabeth, you're you're struggling too. So how difficult is it for you to, to fill the vacancies that you're looking for at the moment? How, how much of a struggle is it, do you think?
2: It's proven very difficult. So we've had the advert out for quite a while, and we've had a number of applicants who don't really meet our minimum criteria. So things like the location and uh, driving license, they can independently visit clients as well. People don't have, have that criteria, which is difficult for us and then we've also found it hard to find people with the independent experience within the local area as well which is something that's key to us
0: right so it's it's not many people applying and those that do simply don't have anywhere near the skills or experience you need absolutely right And now how about you Luke do you concur with that are you facing that same problem yes yeah
3: yeah I, I can sympathize with you there Elizabeth we are we're on the same kind of page. We have various adverts running on different CV platforms. I'm sure you've heard of, of, the, of the majority of them. I won't go into detail on that. We have uh, two or three, actually, KBB-specific agencies looking for for the staff that we require. Uh, and we do as much as we can on social media to make sure we try and attract the right kind of people. And it's just uh, just to echo what Elizabeth has, has kind of alluded to, the skills gap is so huge on the installation side, that really is a needle in a haystack, trying to find the right guys to put in in, in your, your client's homes, essentially. Uh, that's very difficult to find those. And in regards to the design consultant side of it, that is essentially, again, comes down to the skill set. We've had lots of applicants because we're trying to be as proactive as we possibly can, but they're just... They just haven't got the skills required to jump in and get going straight away, which in an ideal world is what as independents we're after. We have a huge void to fill because we're so busy. We need to put the right people in the right places to fill that void so we can continue to grow businesses is is what we're trying to do, really. But we're struggling to find the people with those skill sets. There are lots of people out there who want to come and be trained. Which is wonderful, Uh, and that's that's a long term plan. That's something we're looking at, but it doesn't fix the short term problem, the here and now. Which is essentially what we're doing at the minute is it feels like we're putting a bit of a band aid over the problem, and it doesn't serve doesn't serve the long term problem. So it's it's very difficult, and and I wish I had the answer. I don't know what the answer is to that, but. We're trying as many avenues as possible. Uh, but I think ultimately it comes down to the skills gap within the, specifically within this industry.
0: I mean, do you agree with that, Elizabeth? Is there just a lack of people with the right skills? Or is it a case of it's very much an employee's market at the moment with so many people being so busy yeah. and looking for so many jobs that they can pick and choose what they do?
2: I would definitely agree with Luke. There is a massive skills gap within our industry. And I know of recent years, there have been things to try to support that and um, help. But the growth and focus for each business is, is different. But also it is an employee's market. We have um, been in the position where we've offered a designer a role. But unfortunately, they've ended up starting elsewhere because national and franchise companies have been able to offer better package than we've been able to do as an independent business
0: right so a lot of it is about again if there's a lot of vacancies and not enough people those people can choose the terms of their employment much more than than they normally will be able to do so they can you Definitely. You, you, you can't afford to pay them the money that they're looking for
2: in some circumstances, yes, and um, I think in others there there are just people that are able to pay slightly more or offer slightly wider range of benefits with the role
0: as well. Ryan, well, are you finding that as well, Luke? That, that they're asking for things that you simply can't give them.
3: Yeah, I mean, let me give you this. Let me give you this. Uh, this example. So, at the beginning of the year, we set out to acquire four new members of staff. The first one was design consultant. Then we need an installation team, the installations manager, and we also needed a finance manager to start to look after the the, the accounts in house. Now, the finance manager obviously didn't need to be KBB specific for any experience. It just needed to be somebody who was good with the numbers, somebody who's got accounts background. And we put the advert out for the accounts manager, and we employed somebody within a three week period. Because we were inundated with uh, with applications for this role, so it was, a, it was a role that was quite easily filled because the skill set was huge. Everybody, there's a lot of skilled people out there who can do that role. But the the other roles, so the uh, the design consultant and the installations manager, and also the installer, uh, Elizabeth is quite right. It is it is definitely an employees market. We were coming up against major companies who were offering much bigger packages, which we weren't able to match just because of the size of our business. It definitely is a difficult one to almost sell your business to every single person that sits down in front of us for an interview. There's a shift in power, whereas before the the interviewee would sell themselves to you. But now what we're finding is we're having to sell the business to the interviewee to give them an idea of where we stand and how we sit and how we operate. And hopefully that's enough to sway them to jump on board.
0: Right. So are you finding that, Elizabeth, that you're having to, to sell Lima Kitchens to people, that they're coming in front of you and they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think also our way of interviewing has always been to invite people into the showroom from the first point of call, which always helps you sell your business as well, because they can see what you're really about. Where, where we're now doing that more virtually and having those initial conversations over Zoom that's meaning that we're having to sell our business to them and um, our, our ethos and how we work much, much more.
0: There's a, a vicious circle here, isn't it? Because if guys like you don't take on the people and train them and give them the skills and experience from scratch, then that is going to be a cause of a skills gap, isn't it? But but equally, that doesn't solve your short-term issues of, of demand and just needing to meet the, the sheer amount of work you've got to do. So what's the answer can you can you afford to take on people and train them up from scratch at the moment
2: i think that's really difficult to do and it may be one of the reasons why it's so hard to fill those roles we need people to come in and lighten the workload and be able to pick things up immediately but at the same time you want it done as an independent business in the, the way that you like things to be done and uh in the same processes and orders and to the finish that that you expect um so being able to get someone with experience in line with the way you work is really really difficult so wanting to train them up without the time becomes a a big conflict every time
0: what do you think lucas is there that balance between taking the time to train somebody so they are exactly what you want in the long term but meeting short-term demand
3: Yeah, that's a huge part of the problem because I would suspect that most people listening to this podcast are independent retailers like Elizabeth and I, and they would have an active role in their business. So it's not you know this isn't we're not talking to business owners here who have a passive income. This is people like me who have have an active role in the day to day running of the business. So for me to employ somebody and train them is without doubt a huge commitment and a very time consuming commitment. So it takes me. Out of doing what I do in the business, so therefore you could you could easily see a drop in revenue there. So it's uh, it's it is very difficult to do that. I mean, even when you even when you employ somebody with the right skills and you find somebody has, we we recently found somebody in March and employed them, and th- there's an onboarding process for for new people coming to your business. Our onboarding for a design consultant is anywhere between six and eight weeks before they're actually able to do things on, on their own, so to speak. So that that takes up a certain amount of time, anyway, when you're when you're onboarding new staff with the right skills, so you can times that by ten when you're onboarding staff who don't have the skills at all. So it is a it is a very difficult balance to get right. Uh, we've just recently employed a new apprentice on the installation side to work with our installers to try and think of a uh, look at a more long term goal. But again, it, in in that side of the business, on the upside, it doesn't fix the short term problem. You know, if I was to employ. Uh, somebody who as a design consultant had absolutely no experience whatsoever, they'd have to shadow me for a long long time and I would easily say within a year I, I, I would my outcome of the business for what I do for the business would drop significantly. So it, to onboard people ultimately to answer the question to onboard people who have no skills is A a huge risk uh, and B incredibly time consuming to us as business owners.
0: But I guess you must have to think long term about these things. Do you think that it is an industry wide issue that that level of infrastructure to train people just simply doesn't exist? There isn't any sort of central place you can go to learn this stuff that you can graduate from uh, in any meaningful numbers so that the industry can then take them on board?
3: No, because that's the kind of beauty of the KBB sector and, and, and independent retails. I would suspect that my business runs very differently to how Elizabeth runs her business. There'll be a different set of processes in place There'll be a different set of values that uh, they we all work very differently, uh, and ultimately that that creates a USP for each individual retailer, uh, and that's why we hope we, we, we do so well within the industry. So no, you, you're quite right. There's there's no central hub. is the kind of plug and in place. Send somebody there for a couple of months, and then you get them back. It's it's a long term commitment to to onboard people who have no skills at all. But I think. Looking at the broader picture, the answer is we all need to take some responsibility here. And if we want this long-term future in the in the industry of the KBB sector to continue in the way it's going, I think we all need to kind of chip in and, and maybe start from scratch and take the plunge and uh, and have some faith and and onboard people who have no skills and try and bring them into the industry. But the flip side of that, Andy, and as I'm sure Elizabeth will be concerned about this as well, is there's a huge risk in that. Because we've we've been burned in the past where we've taken on apprentices as installers. Three years after their apprenticeship is finished and they are fully qualified, uh, they've moved on to other companies who have promised them this and promised them that, uh, which is fine. That's, that's, the, that's the way of the world. But it's still a very difficult pill to swallow after you spent all that time and money training them to your standards.
0: Yeah, what do you think, Elizabeth? Should there be this centralised place that people can go to to learn the basic skills you need? As Luke says, send them there for a few weeks and then they'll send them back fully trained. Or is it it an individual business's responsibility just to to look after their own processes and their own skills in order to, to create that kind of unique proposition?
2: I think having a central base, just as Luke has already said, would be really difficult because the, the core values between each business, you've got businesses who work complete, who are franchises, who work on a component basis, who only do kitchen fitting, some do building. There's so many variables that each independent retailer has that it's impossible to get the right combination of skills delivered and, and taught by a central base. I think from our our kind of experience we find that finding someone that is right the right fit for the team and with the right outlook works better and and trying to build upon base uh, base knowledge maybe if they've had um, some exposure to the industry already um, and building building on that works better for us.
0: Yeah, there's pros and cons all the way through, aren't there? Because you could argue, for example, on the installation side of things, that that apprenticeship, that central training, that that structured training, let's call it that, uh, is clearly what you need to have before you can let them loose in someone's home. I suppose what we're arguing for here is a level of structured training that gives you a base knowledge that you can then build your individual company requirements on.
2: I think even on the installation side of things, Again, each company um, has a different level of expectation of how, how their product goes together and how they deliver the best design. So even with experienced installers, there is still a learning curve when you start to work with someone new. So you understand how they put things together, learn yourself if there's a better way of doing something and get them on board with the way that you do things as well. So even with that experience, that, um, th- there's still those learning curves and tweaks that need to be made.
0: So, Luke, what what are you going to do tomorrow? How are you actually getting through the day with that with that many vacancies available to you? What's your short term plan?
3: So, we're now looking. We've, we've asked. We're working with specific agencies, and we've asked them to kind of think outside the box. Uh, so, a, a huge. Let's let's take one role for example. Let's not confuse things. So, let's look at a design consultant. We would, in an ideal world, like a design consultant with uh, at least five years experience within the KBB sector uh, and actually to be on board with the software that we use. Now, if I was to start looking for somebody like that three or four years ago the the search wouldn't be that difficult. We would be okay. We'd probably employ somebody within a three to four month period. But right now that's really, really hard to come by. So you kind of have to break it down and say, right, so what's more important? Is the experience more important or is the CAD software kind of experience and that, that side of it more important? So we've asked our agencies to kind of look look at people who have got software experience working in, in design software, working with CAD, but not specifically within the kitchen, bedroom and bathroom industry. So maybe somebody who's looking to move their career on and likes interior design, maybe those kind of people will work well within our business. They're, they're coming in not completely underqualified. They have some experience. And we just need to hold their hand a little bit and, and ease them into the process of, of designing kitchens, and bedrooms and bathrooms for, for, for our sector. Because a huge part of our onboarding process when we have somebody new in is, is teaching them to learn the software. Uh, and I think that comes back to the question you asked about having this central hub. All of us independents use different software for our design work. And although, generically, they work similar, it takes a while to really get to grips with the new software package you're using when you go to a new company. And again, for new people, for us, even somebody who's coming from a different company, maybe someone's used to using Articad or 2020, but we're using CompuSoft, the winner design, that's a six to eight week program to really get your head into it and learn how to do it properly. So yeah, so we're in regards to the design consultants, we're kind of asking them to just just think outside the box a little bit and maybe look at people who've got the software experience but haven't got any design sales experience. And we can we can hopefully half the amount of work we have to do onboarding them.
0: And what about you, Elizabeth? While you're waiting for these people to turn up, is is this just means that you're working twice as many hours?
2: Yes, the whole team are working a lot harder at the moment. We do have a light insight in that we do have one designer starting in the middle of July, so hopefully things will start to ease um, a month or so after after she starts. And it would be good, obviously, to have our second designer up and uh, running at that point as well. Yeah, but in in the interim, it's a case of managing the diary and... Working, working longer hours, unfortunately.
0: Well, yes, and I suppose if you went back to the start of the pandemic, there's lots of people who would say this is a very nice problem to have because the alternative is is to be in the same boat as restaurants or pubs or hotels or whatever else it is. But it doesn't mean it's any less of an issue, uh, and it's certainly uh, an issue that can't get solved overnight, which is really, really difficult. But look, Elizabeth, Luke, thank you so much for your time. We could talk about this. This is obviously a real issue that, we, that we'll that we come back to and visit again and again. But thank you for giving us a little insight into, into your own personal dilemmas. Uh, and good luck with finding the right people. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, as so always. Thanks,
3: Andy.
0: That's it for this week. Huge thank you to all my guests today. Jonathan Hartley from Samsung, Elizabeth Pantling-Jones from Lima Kitchens, and Luke Wedgbury from Colville Kitchens. Don't forget to book your seats and tables at the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. It's in Liverpool. It's on September the 15th. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards for all the details. See you next time.